This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm inside King's Dominion at the brand new area, Jungle Expedition. The local species can't get enough of Toombeelie, Virginia's first 4D spin coaster. They're also going wild for the spectacular new live show, after which they replenish their strength at the new Outpost Cafe. Uh. Oh my, I've never heard a mating call like that before. Discover a thrilling new coaster and live show inside Jungle Expedition. Right now, get tickets as low as $39.99, only at kingsdominion.com. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Dude Shoes. Light, comfy, good to go to. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is our View of the Opposition show, as I talk to a supporter that covers Foam's opposition for the upcoming match. In this episode, I'll be talking to Kevin DeVries, who is the host of the EPL Roundtable, and he happens to be a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. He's on to give us the opposition view on the upcoming match for Foam against Tottenham Hotspur at Craven Cottage. We have much to discuss, but before we do anything else, I have to welcome back to the show he was on earlier in the season. Kevin, welcome back to Cottage Talk. Thank you for joining me once again. Yeah, glad to be back. Okay, well, I look forward to talking to you about Spurs and also about Fulham, but let's just start from the beginning. Let's just talk about your season overall. Just let's talk about Spurs and to get us going here. Yeah, well, it, it's uh, been an adventure, certainly, um, coming into the season as we did with uh, eight players playing in the World Cup semifinal or later in that tournament. Um, was always going to kind of be an uphill battle in terms of player availability, and that's certainly been the case. But on the whole, um, it's gone very well. I, we're still top three, still in all the competitions, still in the Carabao Cup, and currently in the semifinal with a one-goal advantage against Chelsea, although, you know, Kane injury could affect that. Um, also still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. Uh, and in the middle of January, we're, we're still on target for really any and all of our objectives. Um, obviously, don't expect to win all of those <laughs> uh, by any stretch, but... 
uh, we're, we're, we're on a pretty good target right now. Um, if I had to guess the trajectory for the season, I'd say maybe winning the Carabao Cup and, and uh, finishing top four would be the primary objectives at this stage, obviously knocking on all the wood. Um, but uh, it, as a whole, very pleased with how the season has gone. Um, we've gotten to, to work some youth through a little bit more. Kyle Walker-Peters looks closer to the first team than he has in the past. Uh, Oliver Skip has uh, jumped over a few other potential central midfield options that we had and gotten a few minutes for himself, looking like maybe he, he has a long-term role to play, which is needed because Onamasher didn't develop the way that we expected. So, uh, yeah, on the whole, you know, our best players were finally starting to click. Obviously, Kanan Sissoko sets that back a bit. Yep. Um, because at the start of the season, we weren't playing well, but we were picking up results. Then we were playing well and picking up results, and now we'll see what, what the kind of third phase of that process will be. Okay, excellent. All right, let's... um. Now going, let's talk about the match earlier in the season, very early on at Wembley. Let's talk about that. What did you get out of that match? I know it's so long ago. I actually did this with a Burnley supporter as well. It's so far away from where we are now. Can you take anything out of it? So I'm curious your thoughts about what you got out of that match. And can we look to that match to anything to look forward to this match? Um, well, uh, first of all, we should be more careful with Mitrovic, as we talked about on the show right before that, that match. And then he That's scored right. in literally the exact same way we described he would. Um, so hopefully we learned something from that as a club. Um, yeah. As for overall takeaways, as you know, we weren't at our best at that point. Um, and you were the better team for most of the second half, except for that 10-minute yeah. stretch with your free kick and the cane goal. And then that kind of just put the match to bed. Um, but at the time, I was very happy that we played you early in the season. Because as you know, while we, uh, I wasn't overly um, kind in my assessment of your summer, my only issue was how long it would take for all those players to gel. So I was very pleased that we played you early in the summer before you had the opportunity to do that, which makes it very strange that now, what, do we play in August? <laughs> so now, exactly. five, six months on in the season, it seems like you're still in the same situation. Oh, we um, are. <laughs> yeah, so that that's very interesting to me that we can certainly learn because you're in a somewhat similar situation as an opponent. Yep. So uh, hopefully Pochettino can kind of take things outside of just Mitrovic and kind of apply them to this one. But uh, yeah, very, very surprising to, to see you in the same situation as I'm sure we'll get to later. It's uh, disappointing because all the way back then, Kevin, I just thought, listen, it's just going to take time for Fulham to gel, as you said, and, and it hasn't come off. They Spent the money, I can't blame ownership for spending the money, but you have to look at it back now. Did they spend it wisely? And you would have to say at this point the answer would be no. And yeah. I really expected many of these players to come good. And it's funny because, uh, you know, we'll talk about key players. I'm curious your thoughts on key players. You've already mentioned one. I'm sure it's going to be a key player is Mitrovic. But um, going way back when, I thought that uh, Jean-Michael Serri would be a key player for Fulham. Mm -hmm. and unfortunately for Fulham, he hasn't turned out to be the player that we had hoped. But, you know, I still think he's a very good player. Anyway, so that's kind of what I took out of it, along with what you said. We had that spell in the second half where we were dominant. But then you had your mm -hmm. turn. Moussa Dembele comes on and changes the match. And next thing we know, uh, the match is over. But Fulham did have their time in this match, which actually, believe it or not, still gives me hope for this upcoming match. But we'll get into that in a little bit. And that's going to lead me to mm -hmm. share this with you. Uh, Tony Gale, who you probably know, he writes a column mm -hmm. for the Fulham website. And 
in his column, he has some very interesting things to talk about in regards to this match. So I'm going to read them to you because I want to get your thoughts on what Tony Gale wrote. And this is what he wrote. We've got Tottenham this weekend at the Cottage. And I think it's a great time to play them. We haven't had much luck this season, but this is something that's gone in our favor. Obviously, they've still got a lot of firepower, but with Hong Min Son off on international duty and Harry Kane injured, that's a big percentage of their goal threat gone. Kane not playing is massive. It's not just his goals. It's what he does in his link-up play as well. Harry tends to drop deep a lot of the time, and then the other wider players get in advanced of him. Let's not get carried away, though. It's not like Spurs don't have top-class players to fill those gaps. People tend to forget they've still got Fernando Llorente there, who's a player I rate very highly. Plus, they've still got Lucas Mora and Eric Lamella. So it's not like they're completely without attacking options. They've still got real quality. But missing their two top scorers will put a few doubts in their mind, and therefore, it's a good time to play them. Okay, that's an excerpt from the article from Tony Gale. What are your thoughts on what he shared? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that there would ever be a better time to play us than when we're without both Kane and who has become his reliable deputy and, and young men's son, who's off at the Asian Cup, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fernando Lorente has been a danger in the past. He is two years removed from scoring 15 goals at Swansea. Obviously, his track record in Spain and temporarily in Italy as well um, kind of speak for themselves over a very long career, of course. Um, we, we do still, as he said, have many threats uh, in the team. Lucas might not be involved. But we can talk about injuries here in a second. Um, but no, of course, this is a good time to play us, especially if, Sissoko and Dyer, who weren't mentioned there, both are also out. Um, Dyer on his way fighting to get back into the team. Sissoko seeing if he'll recover in time. Um, But if we're without all of those players, you'll be playing a significantly weakened Tottenham side. Obviously, still have Erickson and Deli. Lamella's still fit. Sure. Um, The defense is largely intact. But, I mean, any Premier League team can beat any other Premier League team on any day. But if you were an opponent, I'm sure right now seems to be the ideal time to play us. I think it is. And uh, if there ever was a time for Fulham to have this match with the situation that they're under, feeling the pressure of relegation staring them right at the face, uh, this is, to me, a very good time to play Spurs because of, like we're talking about, the injuries and Son not being available. I also want to mention a player that I love, one of my favorite Fulham players of all time, is no longer with you, Musa Dembele, off to China. Thank you, Musa. Best of luck to you and Shannon. Thank you for not being involved in this match. I just want to put it out there because he was a, a difference uh, the first time the teams play. Okay, Kevin. I thought something very interesting to help us with our preview, which would be to take a look at what Tottenham could look like without Harry Kane. And I have this article here from The Telegraph that's going to help us with this preview. I find it interesting. They give four different options for Pochettino on Sunday without Harry Kane. I'm going to read the article. It is entitled Four Tactical Options for Harry Kane-less Tottenham to Employ Against Fulham. It's written by J.J. Bull and Alistair Tweedale. I'm not going to read from the article. I'm just going to read the four options. So mm-hmm. I'll go, we'll go through them and get your thoughts on it. Let's start with this one. Number one option, switch to three at the back. What are your thoughts about that? 
Uh, it's entirely possible. One of the reasons why we stopped playing three at the back is it caused us to constantly choose between Davinson Sanchez and Hyungman Sun. And when Sun is in form, you just can't drop him, as pretty much the whole Premier League has witnessed over the last month or so, uh, and obviously last season as well. Um, so with Sun gone, uh, it opens up a spot out of 11 that a defender could go. Um, obviously, uh, Devinson Sanchez has continued to develop well. You put him next to Jan and, and Toby, and that's a pretty formidable three. Or as we've seen this season, we've played Ben Davis as a center back, and I think yeah. m- the majority of his good matches have actually come at center back rather than left back, where he's been exposed a, a bit again this season after a really good season last year. Um, but yeah, three at the back is entirely possible. Some people might question uh, an overly defensive tactic against a club that struggled to score goals like Fulham. Um, but as uh, Chelsea proved their year uh, playing three at the back under Conte, uh, three at the back isn't always a defensive thing if, if those wingbacks are basically just playing as wingers. Um, so uh, it, it's something that we could see. It's definitely something Poch has played with in the past. And like I said, Sun missing could be the big key in whether or not we would switch to something like that. Well, what's also interesting, in case you're not aware of this, Fulham have been playing yeah. three at the back lately. Yeah. So that could be an option as well to play against what Fulham are planning on playing as well. Yeah, a little mirror. Yes, a little mirror there. Okay, here's option number two. Use a false nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we were going to use a false nine, it would probably need to be Lucas, but he himself is recovering from a knee knock he suffered um, a couple of weeks ago. If, if Lucas isn't fit, maybe Lamella, but I, I'm not really sure I would be as much of a fan of Lamella playing as a false nine. Uh, we haven't historically done it, although we've historically had Kane. Um, and, and then we learned that Sun was capable of leading the line uh, in, in you know at least a few-week uh, period um, in right. Kane's previous absence last year with the same ankle ligament injury uh, just about a month apart from when he suffered it last year in February. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, false nine, not something that we tend to go to. Um, if Lucas is fit, it's more likely uh, than if he isn't. But on the whole, I, uh, 25% maybe that, that we would use a false nine. Okay, that's number two. Here's number three. Stick with the four four two diamond. That just seems impossible. <laughs> unless unless we play Lucas and Lorente both up front together in in just the supreme big little <laughs> combination uh, that obviously is not as as en vogue in in the Premier League anymore um but no if if the issue that you have is you're lacking forwards the solution isn't playing yep. two of them <laughs> okay very good final one return to 4231 yeah, a return to the four-two-three-one also makes sense in uh, Sun's absence. You could just do even if Lucas isn't fit, you could do Erickson, Ali, and Lamella across the three. Yep. Probably Lorente up front. Um, then you have you do have an issue in central midfield if if Sissoko and Dyer are both out. I, I think it's likely that one of them might be fit. Couldn't tell you which one. Unlikely that both of them would be because um, then you run into a problem there. Uh, of of who's going to pair there in uh, central midfield, but uh, yeah, a four two three one makes sense. Um, it, it allows us to continue our center back rotation instead of playing all of them. It allows us to get enough attacking players on the field, um, and especially if it's Dyer that's fit, you could just basically use Dyer as kind of the backstop for the attack, and then let the attacking players stay forward. Uh, so yeah, I, I think four two three one is probably just about right. If if I were to rank it in terms of Probably right, to do that. <laughs> probably three four three, then four two three one, then anything else. 
Okay, excellent. All right, my friend, let's move on. Let's now go to strengths and weaknesses of your team. You know, and again, mm-hmm. I, I guess we have to factor in the injuries and, and some not being available. So strengths, where would you put the strengths right now for uh, Tottenham Hotspur? Well, we're about to figure out in real time uh, what our strengths and weaknesses are, um, just how acceptable our depth at forward is, as we just mentioned. Yep. Um, weirdly, in that, they never highlighted Lorente, <laughs> which I, I guess they didn't mention players, and I, I had to bring up Lucas as a false nine. But right. um, if Lorente is good enough, he obviously scored a hat-trick in, in the first round of the FA Cup. Well, first round for us. Um uh, so if, if he can score, then it mitigates that. In central midfield, we're also weak, as I keep mentioning. Um, unless we move Erickson or Ali back, if those two that I keep mentioning aren't fit, um, then we'll be playing Oliver Skip, who's 18 years old, who I mentioned earlier as a positive yep. that he's getting minutes, yeah. um, but obviously would be the weak link in the side, um, although he looks pretty pretty solid against Burnley. Just, just kind of in a lateral finding pockets of space way, but I'm not sure you'd ever expect more than that from, from somebody that's 18 years old. And he may well have been told, you know, just, I don't care what you do. Just don't lose us this match, um, which would obviously bring about a little bit more of a conservative play style. Um, but those, those are obviously the, the big questions of where the weaknesses could be without our best um, team out there. Uh, not sure if, if you wanted this, but off the pitch, our yep. biggest issue is clearly recruitment. We've signed one player in the last 12 months. I was going to say, that's been a miss theme, out. <laughs> You what? That's been a theme. It has. And, and we continue to miss out on potential targets. In a vacuum, it's easy to understand or believe Pochettino's comments when he talks about how hard it is to bring a player into our starting 11 because think about how good they'd have to be if they'd be a good fit for the ideology, if they'd be a good fit for the squad and for the club on the whole, the personalities on and off the pitch. But here's the thing. Literally all 19 other Premier League clubs managed to do it. So yeah. like, while his comments make sense, if you just look at Tottenham, if you look at the context of the league, it really kind of falls on deaf ears a bit for me. And the, the issues stem top-down entirely because we've been through multiple chief scouts and heads of recruitment and directors of football way back to the AVB days with Baldini, and then it was Paul Mitchell, and then it was Rob McKenzie, all of whom have left. Now Steve Hitchin, who was just one of our scouts, is now chief scout, and that is now the top position in our scouting and recruiting department. Is just a guy that was a scout, and now he's the top one. Um, and I, I honestly think one of the reasons you haven't seen assigned players is because when somebody that used to just be a scout is banging his hands on a table saying, this is a player we need to sign, Levy and Poch can look at him and just be like, what? No. Like, like he doesn't command the respect of that triumvirate. And I think it's, it's a very, very serious problem because Pochettino has shown a reluctance to mess with his team. Yep. Levy has shown a reluctance to spend. So if the top person in your recruiting department isn't saying we need to sign this player, either for the future value, which should appeal to Levy, or the future potential, which should appeal to Poch, then that is a failure of that structure. And I think we're seeing that, and we will see it this weekend, uh, if we aren't able to replace those positions in, in uh, forward and central midfield. Well, I'm glad that you're talking about this. I wasn't planning on mentioning this, but since we're talking about Pochettino and the structure of a Tottenham Hotspur, are you concerned about him potentially leaving? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> In a word, no. If, okay. if, if you broke down the column into two columns of reasons he would leave and reasons he would stay, the reasons he would stay would be literally everything he's ever said ever, 
And the column of reasons he would leave would be everything that's written in the papers. And it is a dark, solid, cannot cross line in the middle of those two things. Well, Kevin, to be honest with you, I don't want him to leave because I I think he's in the perfect place for him. Okay. I don't want to see him go to Manchester United. That's been the speculation. All right. I I don't want to see that or Mm -hmm. go even to Spain. I don't want to see him do that. I want him to stay, but I just had to ask you because we were talking about the structure. So that's the only reason why I brought that up. Well, I I will say this one thing. And I think it's a point that's missed by a lot of people. And it could end up being wrong. Just like when I said, uh, I was asked when Harry Kane said that he wanted to stay at Tottenham for his whole career if I believed him. And my answer was, yes. I believe that him, as a 24-year-old player, thinks he's going to play here forever. That does not mean that he will never leave. It means that right now, in this moment, when he says he wants to stay forever, he means it. But life happens, right? Things can change. That doesn't make him wrong now. And if he leaves, that doesn't make me wrong if he leaves. Just in in this moment, he wants to stay. Same thing with Pochettino. He could eventually leave. But I think right now he wants to stay. And the the reason why I think he might stay is I think a reason why a lot of United fans think that he'll go to United, which is his admiration for Sir Alex Ferguson. But if you were a huge fan uh, or, or devotee even, to somebody like Sir Alex Ferguson, what would be a better representation of your idolization of a manager like that? Going to a club that he formerly managed or creating a similar legacy for yourself? Because Sir Alex Ferguson made Manchester United what it is today. And it would be more Sir Alex of Pochettino to stay and do it at Tottenham than for him to go to United and try to recapture some of that glory. It's a very good point, and I just don't see him doing it, but I just had to bring this up. You know, yeah. again, uh, you follow them closely. I, I don't know if there's any tension, but, you know, and again, the newspapers and the media are going to write what they want to write. It just doesn't add up to me because of the situation that he has, the players that he has, the setup that he has, the fact that the new stadium is still being built and has all that to look forward to. Why would he want to go to Manchester United? just because he has an admiration for Sir Alex Ferguson. You just brought up a good point. I think he shows, I guess you could say, more admiration for him as he built something somewhere at a different place. If he stays at one team and builds his own legacy. So I haven't understood this, but I understand why they're writing about it and why Manchester United are talking about it. I just didn't understand why Pochettino would want to leave. It, it, it didn't make sense to me. And like I said, the only reason why I brought it up is that we were talking about the situation with uh, transfers. That yeah. was the only thing I could think of could potentially be why he'd want to leave. But mm-hmm. you've kind of knocked that back. So thank you for that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Let's, let's now get your thoughts on Fulham. You've already talked a little bit about it. It sounds like you are surprised with what's been going on with Fulham. Yeah, I have. It's it's honestly crazy to me that things haven't turned around by now. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you you were frustrated when um, I and uh, your arch nemesis Jake um, yep. were kind of bashing your transfer window. Um, yep. And well, one of the things that turned out to be right, though, in the we, end. we did. But this is this is where I'm going with this. Is yes, I was right at the time to to think it was too many new players. It would take a long time for them to bed in. But even I, who you obviously viewed as <laughs> pessimistic or worse, and even yeah. I thought was maybe a, a little just left of pessimistic, now all of a sudden seems optimistic. Like, how can you look at this team now and think anything other than this isn't going to come together? And then right. what do you do about that? Um, and so e- even though I was like, it'll take time to happen, it just still 
hasn't happened. Um, yeah. Instead, we're at the halfway point in the season. You're 19th. You've scored the fourth fewest goal and conceded the most goals. I, I think you've finally uh, worked your your uh, goal difference so that you won't be the worst defense in history since Ranieri came in. I think he, sure. that, that's cleaned up a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. it's ridiculous that that's a conversation that we're having. Oh, they've improved because now they won't be literally the worst defense in Premier League history. That That is not an accomplishment. It's good no. that you won't be that team that other teams are measured by in failure and defending in the future. But it's it's very, very awful. And it it's, it's so surprising to me. And I'm obviously tempting fate here by saying negative and condescending things about your defense in particular heading into this match. But I just expected you to be so much better than this. You look at what Wolverhampton are doing. They've taken yep. points off City. They've t- they've won against us. I feel like they've taken points off Arsenal and maybe United as well. And coming into the season, you know, that was a, a real debate. Which side would do better, Wolves or, Wolves or Fulham? And you both made a lot of signings in the summer. Both of you have different looks this season. But for some reason, yours just never coalesced. And... It, you know, again, I hate to be so negative, but I'm, no, I can't imagine true. that this isn't also how you personally and, and your fans are feeling at the moment. can't speak for all the fans. I can really only speak for myself is that I'm extremely disappointed and realize that the situation is uh, pretty dire. In fact, uh, I would say it's very likely at this point, unless things change quickly, that foam get relegated. It's um, It's very hard. I know it's only five points. But when I have a co-host who really does the numbers and looks back at the history of the Premier League and talks about what you need to survive, right now for Fulham to survive this, they would have to have a run that would be even greater than the Great Escape. That's the season of the 2007-2008 season for Fulham. It would be an even greater accomplishment. So that just tells you how dire it is for Fulham. So, yes, if me, I can't speak for everyone. I see improvements. I can actually see Fulham getting better. I, I believe it or not, in a four-to-one loss against Arsenal, if Fulham score their chances early on, that match is completely different. The, that scoreline does not indicate how close that match was. Right. But the situations have been so similar. I could say the same thing about Burnley. I, you, right. Exactly. You know, and, and I was going to mention this later, but for all the goals. You, you aren't this unlucky or this long without there being an underlying issue. Yeah, of course. Of course. There's, you know, and that's the problem, you know, and, and again, there's a, there's a problem because things happen to bad teams and that's what's happening right now. It's all the, well, what if they did this? What if they did that? Well, that's why they are where they are, my friend. Anyways, what are your thoughts about Claudio Ranieri coming in? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we, we spoke at the time uh, on our show and I, I liked the hire at the time. Um, the assumption would be that he would come in, implement the four four two, clean up the defense. Um, and then he didn't, especially the former. He, 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 I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't played the four four two yet, unless you count that four one two one two that you played, I think, in the Chelsea match, maybe that was. Yeah. Um, which is really the closest that we've seen to it. Um, the biggest shock to me is that is that he hasn't brought in what was an established thing. Of course, he was known as the Tinker Man before that. He likes to try lots of different things. But the most successful season of his career, arguably, um, came when he stuck to a system. And yep. so the fact that he hasn't done that when he's gotten there, to me, seems a resistance to learn that lesson, that he would rather be kind of this 
uh, fluid, depends on what the opposition are doing kind of tactician rather than sticking to what I view he does best. Um, obviously, the defense has, has improved some, but at the yep. same time, the attack has regressed some. And it the has. reason why that's so interesting is you said under Jokanovic that he himself was trying to do that, that you were scoring lots of goals, but you were conceding way more goals, and so he was going to try to focus on the and defense. Now we're doing the and it may come... opposite. We're, we're, right. letting... yeah. we're scoring less, so it's... Right. Yeah, so it's, it's just the inverse problem. And from yeah. the outside looking in, after the Newcastle win, Wolves draw Huddersfield win, after that stretch of three... I was like, oh, okay, Th- this is the turnaround. It's a, it's a little delayed, yeah. but here comes the turnaround. Yeah. Then the, the loss to Oldham in the Cup really caught me off guard because you played, you know, it was a weak inside, but there were a lot of first-team players in that sure. team, especially in defense. Um, then the Arsenal and Burnley matches, which you mentioned. Unlucky, yes, but like you said, this has happened before where, you know, there's a 10-minute stretch, a 15-minute stretch where you let – control of the game go and you just get hammered for it every time and, and it it is unlucky and it continues to be unlucky and so your mind as a sports fan that's watched sports for the majority of your life i'm sure yeah. many of your listeners um you think that that will return to the mean we can't keep being this unlucky this long but you have been this is a 22 match sample size oh. in the premier league already yeah there is a reason that this keeps happening and if Ranieri can't turn that around, somebody else will have to figure it out in the championship. Sure. And, you know, and that's the reality. And, and that's what we are dealing with right now, Kevin, is uh, this is a crucial period for Fulham to just stay in the conversation, to be in the league. They need to start winning matches, and uh, especially at home. And, you know, it's funny because uh, I would say even a couple of weeks ago, I, I would not even think Fulham would have a chance. But because of the situations that you have right now with Spurs injuries and, and a player not being available, maybe it changes a little bit. But but it doesn't change the fact that they are just not able to have any consistency to play together as a team for 90-plus minutes and not make these mistakes that kill them each and every time. You know, and like you said, there's something wrong there. It's pretty obvious because I think they have the talent to stay in this league. There are teams that are above them that that don't have the talented squad that Fulham have. But as Mm -hmm. we know, teams win matches. It's not just based on talent. They're just not coming together. And uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation right now. I'd like to be optimistic, but right now it's very hard to. And I'm just being honest there with you. All right. You've already talked about this player. So I'm assuming Alexander Mitrovic is a player that you're concerned. Anyone else that concerns you from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective ahead of this match? How dare you take away Mitrovic from me? Um, Yes, obviously very concerned about Mitrovic as well. Um, Also, as we mentioned last time, the, the... I'm always interested to see how Sessegnon performs against us after the years of links um, between the two. Uh, But I did want to ask, who do you think will be starting in central midfield in this match? I think it's going to be Sari and uh, Calum Chambers. I think I think it, it, it will be mm-hmm. two of them. That's that's okay. what I think. It, it could be. So maybe no Kearney? Like a, like a three four three. It could be something like that, with them being the two central midfielders. Got you. Well, I think in, if that was the situation, if it's Winks and Skip in particular, I think Sari would have a very good match. I, I know he hasn't quite lived up to expectations, but he still yep. leads you in like everything. 
yeah. like passes, chances created, crosses. He's the only one with more than 10 accurate crosses for you this season. Like, it, just because he hasn't lived up to his his billing doesn't mean he hasn't been an influential player for you in central midfield. Um, and Winks has been getting a little bit better at the dribbling, a little bit better uh, at shutting down opposing passing lanes. But if Sari wants to take on Winks, he'll do it with ease. Um, oh. If you have him next to an 18-year-old, that's not going to help. Um, so if you take away Mitrovic, you take away the intrigue in what Sessegnon does. Again, another player that maybe you had higher expectations for coming into the season. I yep. think Sari, Sari could cause problems through the middle. Okay. You might see Ryan Babel in this match. That would be interesting. They just like Ryan Babel. <laughs> would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. He's 32 years old now. So we'll have to see yeah. what he has left in the tank. That should be interesting. But uh, they signed him a couple days ago, so he might be available for this match. I'd be curious to see if uh, Claudio Ranieri uh, starts him against your team. But I, I would think that he might be a part of this match in some ways. All right. While we're, while we're talking about uh, players that have played out wide uh, yep. that aren't really playing for you, um, what happened to Vieto? Because when I was writing about the four four two and everything yep. like that, like I expected Ranieri to do, he seemed to be a big part of it, and he just yep. hasn't really been involved since. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Luciano Vieto, it's, it's a hard one because I, I think Fulham had high expectations for him. And, uh, you know, again, playing under uh, Jokanovic was one thing. When Ranieri came in, it, it took him a while to get involved. In, in fact, it, I, I thought he was being frozen out a little bit. But then now he's been involved a little bit. He played in the second half against Burnley, Luciano Vieto, and had two very good chances to score. But he, unfortunately, is a player that is just proving that he's not a goal scorer, and they need a goal scorer right now. I think he can be dangerous at times, but he's just um, incredibly inconsistent, Kevin. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our matchups. Let's look at Fulham's attack versus Spurs' defense. What do you give the advantage to? Uh, Spurs' defense, for sure. Um, yeah. It does seem to me like you're destined for a goal because Trippier has become the new Kyle Walker and that he insists on giving up one goal-scoring chance every match. Oh, that and uh, Mitrovic has scored in four matches consecutively against us. Okay. Um, so that, that just seems destined, that you'll score at least one. Or, no, that you'll score specifically one. But you haven't scored more than one goal in a match since November. And we haven't, we, we've conceded multiple goals in just three of our last ten matches. So it, it's probably one, probably not more than one for you, um, which is, uh, I think, tilts, tilts the advantage in our favor. Okay, excellent. All right, let's now flip it. Spurs attack versus Fulham's defense. We, obviously, we've been talking about the injuries and Son not being available. Who do you give the advantage to? I, I still have to give it to Spurs. I know. That, that's the crazy thing is is you look at it, and it seems like you should go Fulham defense, right? If this is yeah. any other club, you probably yeah, say probably. the opposing defense. <laughs> but just the, the way that you've been conceding, uh, and again, you, you were unlucky with the Arsenal and Burnley ones, but there's nothing to suggest that you're just going to suddenly stop being unlucky in those ways sure. so yeah unfortunately for you great for me i'm still going with tottenham even with the injuries and absences uh if it's Lorente up front which is what i would expect yeah. um he could still cause serious problems for you because he like you mentioned uh, in the four points about kane or yeah. no i think it was in the in the uh article segment you read me um yeah. what kane does a lot is hold up play and pass those are, those are the things that he's providing when he isn't goal scoring. And Lorente can do those things. 
He can collect the ball, hold it, wait for the overlap, create chances for those going forward. Um, and so if, if Lucas is fit and we played both of them, which again, I said, probably not likely, but even if it's Lamella or Erickson or Deli, he can be that target holdup man that allows everybody to move past him. We obviously like to, to supply from the wings with Trippier and probably Rose, but it might be Davis yep. um, from the left. So he will still cause problems. And the thing about a six foot five striker that scored 15 goals two years ago is you have to play him like he's still that player. Sure. So even if he isn't scoring, even if we aren't getting the ball up to him, he'll be pulling your defensive line back, which will leave space for Christian Eriksen to, to dribble just outside of the box where he has more goals since he came into the league than any player that's still in the league. Coutinho, the weird right. uh, example that's not in the league anymore that still has him in the category in the Premier League. <laughs> but just, just the presence of Lorente will cause enough problems, I feel, regardless of whether or not he has a good match, regardless of whether or not he scores, regardless of whether or not he assists. Yep. The presence of Fernando Lorente will be an annoyance enough that will open up things for the rest of the attack. And even though we don't have Kane and Son, Erickson and Delhi have shown their goal-scoring prowess in the past. Lucas scored plenty of goals in the beginning of the season when we were without Son. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm still confident that we'll be able to score in this one. Okay. We've already talked a little bit about this. Who do you give the advantage to in central midfield? You, honestly. Um, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, uh, just if Dyer and Sissoko both fail to recover in time, again, it's going to be an attacking player of Delhi or Erickson, Winks, or Oliver Skip, an 18-year-old with one match of Premier League experience. Seems talented, seems kind of... If if I had to project him, he's not going to probably be as good as Winks was. My, my level would probably be about Ryan Mason, would okay. be my guess for him. Just kind of a do-it-all central midfielder, master of none, um, but contributes in a lot of ways, will probably end up lower in the Premier League table at that level of club than us. Um, but still just 18, so... I, I, I think if you put him up against uh, Sari in particular, Chambers mitigates that a bit because I, I think of him more as kind of a base of the attack rather than a contributor into it. Um, but if you did like a double pivot, I know Anguisa has been a huge disappointment, or if you yeah. did Kearney and, and him, then I'd be far more concerned. But even as is, uh, I think Sari could cause serious damage to our central midfield if Dyer and Sissoko are absent. Okay. I have to say this, that Callum Chambers has uh, been very good at uh, his new defensive midfielder role, which is shocking, but uh, right. he's actually played very well. Uh, he just does a job. And, uh, but you would agree that he doesn't get forward from there? Believe it or not, he has. He has. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. funny because there, there was one match where he was probably the most offensive player, and that's crazy to say. Uh, but the, the interesting part about him is that uh, – I will tell you one thing that he's dangerous on is set pieces. He's very dangerous. He's He can head the ball very well. So he hit the crossbar against Burnley. It was just inches. But he is, you know, I, he's more offensive than you would think. That's all I'm going to say about Callum Chambers. All right. Coaching advantage. This one's interesting because you have the Tinker Man and you have Pochettino, who could be one of the best in the world. Who do you give the coaching advantage to? Um, from the start, I give it to, to Pochettino. Uh, Ranieri, obviously a very good manager. His trophy case backs that up, et cetera, et cetera. But he's won just one match against Pochettino once. Um, okay. Where you could catch us off guard is if you make an early impactful change. That's why we lost all of our significant matches last year. About him. He's not afraid to change. Right, 
Exactly. You, you may. Um, and that is Pochettino's weakness. Last season, you saw it in the losses in the Carabao Cup to West Ham, the loss uh, in the FA Cup to Manchester United in the semifinal, the loss to Juventus in the Champions League. All three of those big tournament-ending losses came when an opponent made an early change and Pochettino spent too much of the match trying to see if his original plan would work instead of adjusting it. We saw it in the Arsenal loss where we were up 2-1 at halftime and lost 4-2. This, this has become a pattern for Pochettino. And as you say, Ranieri is uh, not one that will just sit on his hands. In no. fact, I'm pretty sure he medically cannot. Um, so uh, there, there you could have the advantage, especially coming out of the half, is if you made an early change, regardless of if we were leading or not, it really hasn't mattered in the past. Um, if you make an early change, it can catch Pochettino off guard, and he tends to spend more time watching the match than reacting to it. Uh, so in that particular situation, Ranieri could swing the tide. But on the whole, um, I'm still taking Poch. Okay, very interesting breakdown there. All right, it's time to go to my section of prediction. But let's start with what the Spurs need to do to win this match, Kevin. How do they win it? Central midfield. Like I said, we have the advantage in attack and defense. If we can somehow win the central midfield, I think it'll be a win. Okay. Now I'm going to put you in the shoes of Ranieri. You're the tinker man. Yeah. <laughs> It's nice. I've won a Premier League title. Exactly. But how do you win this match? All right. So I have a general answer and a specific answer. Well, okay. The general answer, no, we'll do it the other way. Specifically, man Mark Erickson. It, it could weaken your advantage in central midfield, especially if you just put Chambers on Erickson and just tell him to follow him around. But it would force secondary players to create chances. And there aren't primary goal scorers because they're all gone. So generally, as uh, your pal Belichick, would would do take yep. away the primary options and make the other players beat you yeah oh i like that okay that sounds good to me the belichick reference in my show always goes over well Kevin. <laughs> all right it's time for prediction give me your prediction for this match tottenham in a tense 2-1 i think we go up 2-0 you get one back in the second half and then it's nervy until the end okay i'm doing the exact reverse here it's okay. going to be wonderful Fulham need this match. You're going to score because we give up goals, so you're going to score. I just see your nemesis, Alexander Mitrovic, scoring two, and Fulham finding a way to win two to one. So I'm going with a Fulham victory. I would not be doing that if Harry Kane was playing, if Sissoko was playing, if Son was playing. I certainly (laughs) would not be doing this. And I think what tipped it for me, believe it or not, Moussa Dembele, being in China. That tipped it for me. I said, okay, I'm good. <laughs> Just that the fates are on your side. It's on my side. Musa is not going to be <laughs> available to haunt Fulham once again. I'm going two to one to Fulham. And uh, it, there is probably a lot of wishful thinking in my prediction, but I am all, a lot of this is based on what's going on with Tottenham. It really yeah, is. It's not unreasonable. There was a time to get the victory. This is the time. If they're ever going to do it, Kevin, it has to be now. So that's why I'm going with an upset, the two-to-one victory that they desperately need. And um, that could change things a great deal for Fulham. All right. Mm -hmm. Great show, my friend. Before we go, just tell everyone a little bit about the EPL Roundtable and how they can hear it. Yeah, so uh, the EPL Roundtable, we have guests of almost every club. We used to say every club, but some people have come and gone. Uh, But we have guests from most of the Premier League comes that come on and talk about uh, the hottest Premier League topics, news, and notes. Um, You can find it at EPL Roundtable on Twitter. You can search EPL Roundtable on Spotify or iTunes or Acast or any of those uh, fun listening places. It's a great show. I've been a part of it. I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoy... uh, 
going back and forth with uh, Jake. So hopefully I can do that again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hopefully. I'm in there, Jake, if you're listening to this episode, I do enjoy talking with you. All right. This has been great, but let's wrap this up. For my guest, Kevin DeVries from the EPL Roundtable, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frame. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.